Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. So yeah, uh, another hour of Mouth and Manliness. Hello, Nick. Where are we? We are in Margate at the Diversity Exhibition upstairs at the old uh, Woolworths building, the Margate School. Old school Woolworths. Yeah. And what are we doing here, mate? We are here doing a live podcast. We're having podcasts. <laughs> yeah, our second one of the day. It is. And it, uh, yeah, it's been good fun, hasn't it? It has been lovely. It's been really, really nice. In a bit of a different place, with different people. The last one was good with uh, two women. Females. Females, which is always good. And then today, uh, right now, sorry, this afternoon, we have got a man. (laughs) Geezer. A proper geezer. Um, Funnily enough, uh, so... We're here because of Annabelle Loza, and she uh, was someone I went to university with uh, at the Kent Institute of Art and Design. And Chris, our guest right now, was I, I also <laughs> met there, didn't yeah. I? You, you did. Yeah, That's you amazing. Did. <laughs> so we've had Annabelle on, and now we've got Chris. Chris, welcome. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a fucking pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for coming to see us. I've been talking about getting you on for quite a while. Yeah, and uh, I've been saying, uh, I'm not really sure what I'm going to say, but... <laughs> oh, don't worry about that, we don't know either. <laughs> yeah, we don't know what we're going to say, we make it up as we go along. So I think, so, just to put a bit of context on, I kind of hadn't spoken to you for a long time, really, not for any meaning. And then I, uh, then I looked you up um, on the internet one day at work uh, and your Kemp's website came up with all like, the cartoon designs and everything and there was a oh, cartoon cool. image of you. And then uh, I emailed you and then you replied with, noise. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh shit, he remembers me. Ah, oh, sweet. And like, we kind of stayed in touch since then, really. Yeah. Kind of, like, we might not have seen each other loads, but we've stayed in touch. And then, um, and then one day, uh, no, I think I'd, had I been round to see you first? Yeah, yeah, you came down to, to mine and we got horrifically drunk a couple of times, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I came over to the family and we got really trashed. And then I was really trashed. 
uh, Chris had a cinema in his basement. Lovely. And I, it was really cool. We just got uh, I got really stunned and watched um, Mighty Boost. And they're like, they're like as big as you. So cool. And drinking white Russians, which I don't think I'll ever do again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then, I, then like, we stayed in touch, but I didn't really see you. And then one day, you were at Brown's Hatch and you messaged me and said, can I pop round? And then about half an hour later, you were at, at my door and the kids went up and played. And then you said to me, uh, I've got esophagus cancer. Um, my business went bust and I'm, ha and I'm having a divorce. Wow. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Top three. All the bad things have all happened at once. Triple banger. And it was like, oh, fuck, man, that's so, so rubbish. Try not to swear. Oh, yeah, because there's kids around. Oh, they're still kids around. Yeah, yeah. Don't, no Hello, swearing. Sorry, we won't swear. Sorry about the swearing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so then you said that, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, oh, that was, man. That was uh, a challenging day, shall we say, or period. Yeah. Now, um... <laughs> so what was the diagnosis? Tell us about that first. Uh, well, I mean, so I'll tell you how I found out. How's that, right? So uh, I was um, I was in Soho with some friends on a night out, uh, and one of my friends was horrifically drunk, um, and so I took her into a cafe to uh, try and get her a bit sober, get her some coffee and stuff like that, and I was eating a bacon sandwich, and. Um, and uh, suddenly I felt like the, it, you know, it got stuck. And I was like kind of casting around, like thinking, God, I need the Heimlich maneuver or yeah. something like that, yeah. right? Like uh, I was properly choking on it. Uh, and she was so uh, trashed that she didn't even notice. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually I managed to get it to go down. Um, and this experience was like so terrifying that obviously uh, I then left it a couple of weeks, went off on a business yeah. trip, <laughs> you, know, you know, left it a couple more weeks after that and eventually went to the doctors and went, yeah, I keep choking on stuff. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't really think, <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily think, you'd just think, oh, I just choked on something. You think you the best of it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, it's to be honest, like I, I, I saw a documentary on it like years ago, and and when I watched it, I remember thinking, "Fuck, I bet." I'm oh, sorry, swearing. It's right, don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I bet you, I get that. Wow. And so, you know, there was something about it when I watched it. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's got me written all over it." And um, and so, to be totally honest with you, like it wasn't that I was blasé or anything. I was just terrified. Yeah, I was I was absolutely terrified of going in there and them going, yep, yeah, that's it. That thing that and so and so actually I chose to sort of put it to the back of my mind and kind of get on with you know life really. But that's quite normal, especially for men. Yeah. Yeah, stupidly. Yeah, it's really normal though. <laughs> yeah. Like it's a good metaphor for you know going to the doctor because you're gonna you want to kill yourself. Mm. So. So you then went to the doctors, and then what happened? Yeah, talk us through it. So yeah, well, I uh, I went to uh, yeah I went to the doctors. I actually talked to him about a whole bunch of other stuff first, um, and then uh, and then towards the end of it, I finally picked, plucked up the courage to to sort of say what I was worried about. Yeah, and. Um, and he, uh, yeah, we were like, we, I'd already pushed the envelope of the kind of, you know, standard meeting time, and he was sort of trying to get me to hurry up. Yeah. And so I went, um, yeah, well, okay, there's this other thing as well. So I like keep choking on food, and and he's like, oh, and hold on, you've lost ten kilos in the last three months. Wow. Uh, all right, uh, you better go off for this. And so um, within a few days, I had been referred to the local hospital here uh, where, um, where they, uh, I, I forget what it's called, but, but effectively they stick a camera down your throat. Oh, um, that scares me. Yeah, and, 
Yeah, but there's a particular name for this. But, but they, yeah, they stick an endoscope down your throat. And, uh, oh, man. Like, um, so <laughs> it's going to sound a bit like a sob story, but I think there's a funny no, part of it. Yeah, no, stop but, yeah, away. But basically, because at the time, I didn't want to share it with anybody because I, like... I obviously I was going through a divorce at the time so it was kind of tricky to talk to my ex-partner about it um, my family were miles away and I didn't want to worry them I didn't you know uh, I didn't really want to want to talk to any of my staff about it and and yeah and so basically I didn't feel like I could really involve anybody else in it and so they were like okay you've got to, if you're gonna come and have this thing done you're gonna to have to be sedated uh, and there, um. and I was like okay uh and so and they were like well but if you're going to be sedated you need somebody to come with you and i was like well i don't have anybody to come with me and they were like um well i guess you could have it without sedation and i was like all right well how bad can that be and i was like well i don't know it's gonna be pretty sketchy Whoa. and so yeah i went and did this without sedation oh that was like when i got <laughs> my um my bottom done oh yeah and i didn't have sedation then yeah. And uh, it was as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it was, it was just one of the worst experiences I've ever had. And I think the thing that really sticks in my mind was that uh, towards the end of the procedure, um, I remember one of the nurses going, you've got to stop, you've got to stop, he can't take much more of no. this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last thing you want to hear. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my, it really is this bad. And I, yeah, they eventually kind of pulled this camera out and I sat up, uh, sat up on the bed and blew my nose. And it, it looked like half the blood in my body came out of my nose wow. at that point. And, and I can just remember looking at this kind of just, you know, puddle of blood in this tissue and just, oh my God. And then I, I came out of that and went and sat in the car in the car park for about two hours trying to work out what had just happened because they'd, they'd also kind of debriefed me afterwards and said, look, you know, we've got to send this for tests but it doesn't look that great and blah, blah, And I sat in the car park processing this stuff and I just about got my head together and then uh, as I... Uh, at that point, I got a text message from my counsellor at the time going, I'm really sorry, Chris, I don't think I can see you anymore. Uh, <laughs> like, really? Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. What, on, what was it just uh, their own circumstances? Nothing to do with... Yeah, I mean, it was complicated. Like, wow. um, Yeah, he was great. Uh, but, yeah, there were some complications in our relationship, so shall we say. The counsellor? <laughs> yeah. So the one person who you probably would talk to because yeah. you couldn't talk to anyone else just went oh yeah I can't talk to you anymore that's yeah, no, crazy exactly. um, oh, that's so yeah that was a pretty tough day yeah <laughs> yeah um, and then what happened after that uh I don't know, then you kind of go for lots of scans. And I think actually you said this to me a while back when you were, we were you talking about exactly. Um, and then after that, you're just kind of you're just on it. And, uh, and I think. I kind of coped by just going from appointment to appointment and, you know, you ask lots of questions. And, I mean, I've always been into kind of data and so I kind of spent know, a lot of time... I don't think that helped you because you were, like, studying the data and most of the data was pretty grim, wasn't it? Yeah, but at the same time, um, I don't know. I, I think... I think uh, I mean, you've talked on the podcast, I know, about like the importance of being positive, and I agree with that, but at the same time, I think you can't kid yourself and you've got to be no, realistic, no, right? Yeah, and, it needs to be balanced. Yeah, and so, so you know, so I, I went and had a look at some of the data, uh, but then, you know, the data is lagging kind of five or ten years behind because treatments improve and yeah. the studies that are published now are actually from patients five or ten years ago yeah. and and so you know I kind of mentally um, uh, modified that data by what I knew and what had changed and kind of you can fairly easily build a case where you can go well okay like if I take my youth into account and uh, um, and my oh, kind yeah, of relative strength about, like, like fitness and strength yeah. and that kind of thing and me thinking there's no way you're fit. 
No, I just didn't believe it because you were you were bigger at the time, weren't you? Yeah. You lost a lot of weight off the back of uh, all your everything that's happened. Yeah, forty-five kilos in three weeks. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the math. That's about ten stone. Uh, Sounds a, yeah. What? Ten uh, it's ten about not eight stone, I think. Yeah. My God. So the the body shock alone of that happening must have been crazy, right? Yeah, it's really weird. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, so that. Uh, weight loss wasn't really part of the plan like so basically while I was in hospital there were a load of complications uh, and so they basically weren't able to give me any nutrition for about three or four weeks yeah right, you okay. had chemo before that didn't you yeah yeah so three so, months uh, well yeah about eight weeks of chemo then a bit of a break then uh, went in for an operation to remove uh, most of my esophagus and about a third of my stomach and then more chemo after that. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember it. Yeah. Pretty gnarly. Yeah, and we were talking outside about, like, you know, uh, the importance of hope and positivity. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest with you, Nick, there weren't a huge amount of hopeful periods, particularly no. during that period in hospital. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of it I can look back on and it's quite funny, actually, or at least to me. Um, and so, I mean, for example, I don't know. I think you have to have a black sense of humour about this stuff sometimes. Yeah, it helps you cope, doesn't it? I mean, I certainly do with those things. Yeah. There was that guy, uh, when I came to visit you, there was that other bloke who seemed to be like, he was in charge. He was in charge. <laughs> the guy with the glasses was proper in charge of everything. You always find that, don't you? But like, I think whenever you're involved with like, medical people, you do have to large it. Yeah, I mean, he was an interesting case in his own right, actually, because he had, he had, I mean, you know, the subject of this podcast, mental health, he had uh, some, okay. he had some fairly serious problems himself. I mean, one of the reasons he was in there was because he was, he was actually uh, opening his own wounds, oh, while, really? and that was why he's, how, why he'd been in there for so far, for so long. Um, oh, was he? Yeah, and like that was another big part of it. Was like. You know, uh, it was a real eye-opener for me being in... I mean, I was in hospital like two and a half months in the end. And and I just saw how overrun the NHS is with essentially dealing with people that have mental health problems, you know, more than anything else. So, that, I mean, the guy opposite me um, would... Uh, he, he'd had um, like a, an esophageal tear and he would basically periodically he would improve and then he would go downhill again and start eating McCoy's crisps and he would just eat these things whole and it was basically again a kind of self-harming thing that he would basically trying to open this tear again because yeah, you could feel the physical crisp quite yeah. rough now I guess yeah, yeah. Sense. And, uh, and I was I found this like terrifying and I, yeah and it's terrifying it was but at the same time it's kind of an eye opener really because you know I I yeah, I think I struggle with things at times, and yeah, I have some pretty tough days. But you know, when you see people that are doing this kind of stuff, and you go, "Oh, there's another level." <laughs> yeah, I think uh, as people we've spoken to have been like, you know, sectioned, and their kind of overriding feeling about it was they see other people who were like they weren't in control at all, mm. and like that was something that really kind of made them pull themselves together a bit more yeah and start you know that perspective and it does work like I have that in therapy like with a group other people sit kind of makes you think well I'm alright yeah and that's helpful yeah, yeah it's kind of getting that other view like we were saying before that obviously you kind of think oh what I'm going through is just what I'm going through no one else is going through it kind of thing and there'll be other people that have gone through the same, other people that have gone through less. Everyone's experience is kind of their own experience. And it's, it's bad for us because that's what we're going through. But to then, and it's not always easy to see this side of it, to be, but be able to see other people going through the same and worse. And then you, you, you can kind of have that shift of perspective and think, I mean, I really kind of normalised almost everything that had happened to me. I've yeah, just started therapy I'm in like the second week now. And as, as we're going through, obviously we were asked to list a few things and stuff like that. 
And I'm like, yeah, this has happened, but you know, that happens to everyone. Well, this has happened, that's happened to everyone. She's like, well, no, it doesn't. Like, you, not everyone has like, brought a kid back to life because he died in your mum's pool. Well, that's not normal. Right, okay. Um, yeah, but it, loads of people die drowning. All right, no problems. Um, well, cancer, well, that happens to loads of people. Uh, no, but it's happened to you and it's causing you problems. All right, yeah, that makes sense. And I kind of like, I've been so, I think it's a defense mechanism of me going, well, everyone does it, so I, I, I have to, I'll get through it, I'll just keep pushing on and keep pushing through kind of thing. Whereas, well, really, I should be going, fucking, that's all a bit nuts. You know what I mean? I need to, it all needs to be spoken about, and it's, it's what's happened to the person. It, yeah. it doesn't, it's not any more or less. I know, and then especially if you've been through something, like you've been through loads of trauma, and like everything you're describing is trauma. Yeah. And, um, Trauma, basically, I think all kind of base. You know, like whenever I talk to anyone, I'm always like, "Do you know why I've been unwell?" Um, because it all comes back to whatever that trauma was at the time, and mm. that's pretty much always the thing that makes you unwell. So it's basically, you know, the concept of trauma. You're a mess. Uh, you might not experience that straight away. You might experience that ten years down the line. But essentially, if you've not resolved that trauma in some way, shape, or form, maybe not even resolved it, but made sense of it, then it's always going to hit you. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think, I don't know, I think it's important to, to remember that that can also make you stronger. You know, so there are... Yeah, yeah, that's what we were you know, there's, Yeah, there's real strength that can come out of that trauma. And, um, I mean, you know, you started off talking about how we were at art college together, and... Yeah. I think both of us, in different ways, found that experience reasonably traumatic, right? Um, yeah, that's why I left. <laughs> but yeah, well, I, 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 I wasn't in the right frame of mind, I guess. No, no. Well, I mean, I, I, I stuck it out, and I continued to find it difficult. Um, but I think one of the days that kind of, again, kind of comes back to me from there was like I was. Um, I started doing, uh, so basically one night I was struggling really badly and I lost it uh, and I um, basically punched the mirror in my room because I was so angry with myself that I punched the mirror and smashed it. And, um, and I decided to try and turn this into a positive somehow and so I started doing these photographs where I was taking photographs in, the broken, in a broken mirror. Um, and I didn't really understand what I was doing at the time, uh, but you know, it just felt like the right thing to do, um, or the right thing for me to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember going into uh, college one day, and one of my tutors came up to me and went like, what's all this about then? And he kept questioning me, and I was like, oh, I'm not really sure, I just kind of like the shapes and the images and the kind of distortions. And, he, and after a while, he just turned around to me and he said, well, look, Chris, this is really obvious. Like, mirrors are metaphorical for the soul, right? You're taking photographs in a broken mirror. Basically, it means that you think that your soul is broken. And, wow. <laughs> and, and you know, and basically, because it's a mirror, you're not going to be able to fix it and you're not going to be able to put yourself back together and just walked off. No, what? <laughs> no. I mean, like, no, come yeah. back. Oh, oh, come back. What's all that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I need more. But Hello. he was probably right. Well, well, no. So I think he was wrong, actually, because this is the thing. It's like I sat there rocking for a little while, going, trying to work out how to process this, oh. and then I realised that no, actually, like, okay, so you know, this is just a metaphor. This is just you know a thing, and but fundamentally, whilst I not might not be able to fix that mirror, and I mean in theory, you probably could somehow. But what I was doing was turning that broken thing into something else in the photographs. Yeah. And, you know, I was taking that damage and transposing it into something else that I found quite beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really the thing, is that, like, scar tissue can be stronger than normal tissue, yeah. right? Like, yeah, and it's, it's really that thing of, like, trying to find a way to fix that damage and turn it into a strength. Yeah, we were talking about that before, about um, almost like, I, I kind of feel like that's kind of what I'm doing now, like turning all like the turmoil and the pain into something positive that can kind of help other people. And that has actually been really healing. Like doing that has been really good for me. And it's like, it's not, it's, it doesn't feel like a negative thing so much now. And it's so true. Yeah, I see a thing the other day about um, Chinese vases, I think. 
And when they break them, uh, not necessarily just Chinese ones, but, but like particular yes. culture, when they break them, they uh, stick them together with gold. And obviously they kind of become more beautiful because of the, like the cracks yeah. and everything else. There's a whole new dimension to it kind of thing. And it's a long nap's, it's like changing your perspective. It must be so easy to, like in my experience, like I lost my dad to cancer. And he basically, there was no reconciling. He was happy to just wallow and just go deep down. And no matter what I could say or do and trying to do the dinners that he used to have and stuff like that. And as much as possible, it's, he'd kind of written himself off he'd anyway. Just up and that was yeah. it. And it must be so easy to just have that thought of like, well, I'm fuck now. Like, what? Was he told though? Was he told at the time? He was told and he didn't recover? tell us. And then he had a lung out and didn't tell anyone. It's like a proper old school idiot, basically. Like, oh, no, I'm all right. Just, I'll uh, just take one out and I'll get, I'll be back to work on Monday. Don't, yeah. don't worry about it. Everything's fine. Don't talk about it. Blah blah blah. And yeah, it was, only, it was only when he was in hospital the second time, he had to come back and basically hit his brain, and his speech had started to go and everything else. Um, that I was talking to the nurse. I was saying, you know, what's going on? Like, can you tell us whatever? And she was like, oh, obviously after having the lung out or whatever. I was like, what? what? Uh, when did that happen? She's like, oh yeah, like he's, he's had this done and what he didn't know. It's like, no, he had no idea. Um, and I think, like, I mean, it's a whole like, other story, but it, the positivity was lost. It became nostalgic for a while and we'd listen to like music and we'd talk about him being in bands and stuff like that and playing guitar and you kind of think, you know, oh, we're just getting through the days kind of thing. I didn't know he was actually going to die until the night that he died. Really? Yeah. Me and my brother found out basically there and then. We took him to hospital. I'd been looking after him for a while down in Christchurch and I'd come back for Kate's birthday and um, he rung up and said, oh, I think you might have I to come. I didn't you were with Kate at the time. Yeah, yeah, it was a while back. Um, and he said, oh, I think you might have to come back. Um, not feeling too good. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my mind, he'd been cleared. He'd had chemo and radiotherapy and everything else. We're still going, but he was on the mend. No problems whatsoever. Yeah, I'll be back soon. Like, won't be long. And obviously, I'm thinking, oh, like, Kate's birthday. We'll go out for something to eat or whatever. He rung again. And I was like, no, I'll start to head back. And I was getting the train. But for some reason, I said to my brother, it's like a random Wednesday. Oh, do you fancy um, going for a drive? Like, popping to see Dad. You ain't seen him for a while. Just pop down the series. He's like, yeah, you know, sod it. I'll jump in the car and do it. And he drove down. And where he'd seen him, he said, oh, Brad, I'm going to ring an ambulance. It's like, what do you mean? He said, he's not right. Like, something's not right. I'm like, I know, he's been like that for ages, like weeks. Like, it's fine. Like, just, I'll get him a bottle of water. It'll be absolutely fine. He's like, no, no, I'm going to ring an ambulance. All right, no worries. Rung an ambulance, followed the ambulance up there, went into the hospital, and they, we were waiting for a little while. They come out and said, oh, um, we've made him comfortable in the side room if you want to come through. And we were like, what do you mean? Like, oh, oh you like, no, better come through. Really? And he literally, he was sort of in, you could tell he was kind of in pain and a bit out of it. Grabbed mine and my brother's hands, put them together and just went. Really? Yeah. Straight off. Oh. It's like, gone. And we were like, what do we do now? And like a nurse burst in. She's like, oh, do you want a cup of tea? And we were like, um, dad's dead. Um, what, what do we do? Like, have we got a, do we, do we stay or do we go? Is there paperwork? Like what happens? And she was like, oh, um, I'll just go and get the teas. And I like, went. And then we sort of walked out and I was like, I guess we go. And then we went and that was it. We literally went to the car park and rung everyone and told them. Wow. And that was like a random kind of Wednesday. Um, and I think, like looking back, I think that's kind of what he wanted to happen. I think he was happy that we were together and we did it. But he got to a stage like he just wasn't getting up off the city. He was still getting me to go and buy him like 10, 20 fags a day. And I wasn't driving at the time, so I had to get my bike down and everything else. And um, still drinking. Um, he was like on like 80 fags a day. It was quite obvious kind of what it was. And like he, used to, he was an engineer, so he'd be working with asbestos and stuff like that. And on um, Navy ships, he was an air conditioning refrigeration engineer. So it's kind of on the cars it was going to happen. But. I still think it was quite sad about splitting up with my mum and everything else and it just kind of given up. And I think, like, thinking back, I wish, like, it, I knew now what I knew then because obviously I would have just done my utmost, you know, to sort of try, every, uh, try more, yeah, you know? Yeah, he probably, so he probably, he probably wouldn't have had it anyway. No, that's true. That is true. But, like, on a day-to-day basis, Chris, like, how, like... Has it affected your outlook on life? Can I just butt in on yeah. that just quickly? Is when we've spoken and 
we've had periods when we've spoke quite a lot and you've told me about it. There was one point when you were like, uh, you were worried that it'd come back. And you were like, oh yeah, I'll find out tomorrow if I'm going to live or die. And wow. you were so like, but what was funny, I think Chris coped with it by throwing himself into other things. Because you tell me, and I'd be like, whoa. And, I, and I'd be really bothered about it. And you were like, you know, worried about work, for example. Like, you've kind of seemed to throw yourself into work rather than... Because you basically worked pretty much all the way through you having it. Even in chemo, you were still going to work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly in the first batch, um, it was crazy. Um, yeah, and I mean, I was thinking about that in conjunction with what you were saying. I mean, I... Yeah, the way that I tackled it was just trying to, yeah, because, yeah, so basically with, with my one specifically, if you're going to die, you die in the first year, basically. Or it's about 18 months. It's within oh, so the first quite year of the yeah, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. It's a real, real serious. Wow, like, yeah. His one was, like, I was shot by my sister. Have we mentioned what it, life, what it was? Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, so it was esophageal cancer. Right. And so basically the reason it's so tricky is because... Um, you know, basically, your esophagus and your stomach, um, there's not a lot of other stuff around. Or the, Sorry, there's lots of other stuff, but there's not a lot of space. Okay. So basically, you can really easily jump from there to your liver or your lungs oh, or right. your heart or wherever. Mm. And, and so, so basically, the di um, and also the thing is that people tend to get it um, diagnosed quite late um, because... Yeah, because you don't notice until you choke on something, and for you to choke on something, you either need to eat like a, um, uh, well, like you know, wolf oh. your food down really badly and unhealthily, yeah. uh, or you have, or or the tumor has to be quite large, probably yeah. both, right? Oh, so it's got to get round. Um, and uh, luck luckily, I have a tendency to stuff food in my mouth like it's going out of fashion or, mm. you know, whatever. Um, and so in my case, yeah, I mean, they, they um, I, I think it was uh, T3. So I don't know what size that is. Like it's, you know, a couple of inches across or something like that. Um, wow. And, uh, and yeah, but like a lot of people uh, get diagnosed really late. How old are you, Chris? Uh, 44 now. Okay. Yeah. Um, obviously looking 34 I was going right? to say like 20 <laughs> 20, 30 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah the cancer diet I can't, you can't beat it <laughs> yeah it takes years off <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, but yeah uh, where was I going with that um, yeah so uh, yeah so anyway I guess the point was that like because I had this kind of you know, because uh, I'd looked at the data and I could see how this thing could pan out I was like Okay, so there's this period here where I can be reasonably confident of being alive. Um, and so I just need to jam as much stuff as possible into that period as, as I can. And mm. so, yeah, there was a lot of work involved, but also I did crazy shit with my kids. Um, I know, I, I remember <coughs> saying to you, just, just be ill. <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're killing yourself trying to get all these things Like done. what, though? What we do? Uh, well, so, I mean, this was actually after my second set of chemo, but I still look back on it and wonder how I managed it. But, like, um, I took them away for the half-term holidays, and basically we did a week at Centre Parks where we averaged, like, three or four activities a day, including, uh, like, on one particular day, for example, we started off doing two sessions of paintball, uh, and I was doing all of this stuff, right? Wow, um, yeah. Two sessions of paintball. Then we went off and rode segways, and then we went to go ape. And so, you know, I was literally climbing three-story yeah. rope ladders, yeah. having literally only been a month off chemo. Wow. <laughs> and so I, I look back on it now and I think I couldn't do that now no, no I don't know I don't know how I did it then um, uh, but you know but it was really just about like okay I'm I you know I'm, I'm confident that there's this period where I I'm gonna be around I just need to jam as much stuff in as possible yeah. yeah and so to be honest in some ways and this almost I guess it's a similar point to the cancer train or the cancer bus thing like the the tricky thing to be honest is no more now it's like I'm having to relearn what normal is yeah. and I am like oh what do normal people do I, I, <laughs> I tell you what I can really understand that and I think like me and my wife have totally been through that. It's like 
you, you step on the bus and the bus is like two years long, you know, at least. And then like you kind of come out of it, all the treatment's done, but then you're like mentally a mess. And then you've got to figure out, it's like, hold on, things aren't bad anymore. So then what do we do now? <laughs> it's like, oh, I've forgotten what to do. We totally had that. I remember having that conversation. It's like, things aren't bad anymore. You know, her dad died and everything in the time. So it was, it was dark as hell, but it was like, they're not bad anymore. Actually, things are all right now. So we need to start doing things we like doing again. You know, like I started doing music again. And, you know, and you, you have to start re-engaging with life, don't you? Because yeah. you just step out. Basically, you step out of the world when that's all going on. Yeah. People don't get it, do they? You try and explain to other people about what it's actually like, and they're like, oh, no, but you're, you're better now. Like, yeah. No, I'm not. Not really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some people get it. Um, yeah. And uh, actually, I don't know whether we talked about this before, but like, um, I think any traumatic experience, but particularly cancer, is quite a powerfully divisive thing. And so it tends to... Basically, it strengthens your good relationships, but has a tendency to destroy your weak ones. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, so I think, yeah, you know, it's been actually quite a positive thing in a weird way, in that, like, you know, people like yourself, you know. Yeah, well, um, like, yeah, we've definitely become better friends through, haven't we, really? Yeah. And um, that probably wouldn't have happened otherwise because we didn't see each other for a while. So, like, we've definitely been seeing each other a lot more since. Yeah. But that's totally right. Like, I lost. A lot of people backed away quite heavily when my wife was ill. And it's just like, ah, people are just scared of it. Yeah. I, I get it. I do understand. They don't make them bad people. I mean, it's hard to forgive, but, like, you have to. Yeah, and, it, but, and I don't know. I mean, in terms of forgiveness, like... You know, everybody's you know everybody's the center of their own universe, right? Yeah, like, and, and, that, and that is a really important thing to remember. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and also coming back to what you were saying earlier, Brad, like you know, everybody's experience is also relative, and so yeah. you know, I think a lot of the people that um, kind of rallied around and supported me over that period were people that had, whose lives had been touched by cancer in some yeah. way because they had a frame of reference and they yeah. kind of understood what oh right okay I know what this means yeah. whereas a lot of other people who haven't you know experienced that are kind of like oh you know yeah I can't deal with him moaning about this no that's totally <laughs> yeah. true because when you said I was like right that's it then like I'm sticking with him now yeah. and that was it just and, and that was because I'd been through it and I know how isolating it is and I was like yeah I'm not not going to let that happen. No. And you, I mean, you were particularly magic, but um, one of the things that really struck me, and, and again, like sitting in that hospital for two and a half months, um, where like at one point I uh, had cannulas in both elbows, I had tubes coming out of my side, I looked like an HR Geiger kind of mm, thing. Yeah. I had one up each nostril, one to feed me with, and the other one to, to kind of take stuff out of my stomach. Um, and and it was very difficult even to use a phone because you know I, if I bent my it's elbow too much, it would cut the flow of the drugs you know into the system yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, like one of the hardest things was like communicating with people. But the thing the thing was that you know there were just a few people that seemed to sort of get this and would just instead of sending me messages like "How are you," which is like really difficult to answer because yeah. you're like kind of. I'm a bit shit, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, um, you know, a, a few people seem to really get this and would just send, you know, quick messages going, you know, hope you're bearing up, mate. You know, stuff you don't have to respond to. Yeah, yeah. just a nice little that nod in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. You know, just that like, I'm thinking of you. Yeah, those yeah. kind of messages. Yeah. So, so basically, you kind of got to a point where you've been through all this like extensive surgery, like. You, that proper full-on surgery. And that when I came to see you, you had the right arm. Because uh, <laughs> like, basically it turned out that they weren't feeding you. Um, and, then, uh, and then I'm like, all right, well, that's it then. I've done my bit. And like, oh, still in there. I'm going to have to go again. <laughs> and then the time I came to see you next time, you were like more interested in me than anything else. It was like uh, you were kind of, well getting back to yourself again. 
Yeah. Uh, but then I think you went through a period when you're like, I've just had enough of being here. Yeah, that was the thing. But that was also an, an, another thing about it. It was like, you know, after a while, there's only so many times, you know, when somebody says, how are you, how are you doing? And, you know, you just want to hear about what everybody else is up to. Yeah. Like, you know, just, you know, you're stuck in this, you know, um, in this uh, zone. And I think it was probably about the same time as you came to see me the second time. They'd finally allowed me to go uh, twice a week to, um, in St. Thomas's, they've got a little cinema. And it's it's an amazing charity called Medicinema. Um, and basically, they just put on films for patients and mostly for the That's kids. That's so cool. Yeah. And it... Uh-huh. Uh, and it really was. Yeah. I can't. I can't tell you what a, a profound experience this was. That like, you know, just twice a week, I managed to get. Oh, they rolled me out on a bed into this cinema, and and yeah, I could just escape for a couple of hours and watch thing. some trash thing. It's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that would lift my spirits. It's like oh, I'm just being a normal human being for a couple of hours, and you're in a dark room, so you don't feel like looked at. Yeah. So lucky, like with the NHS. Like, I found with when we're talking about the stillborn stuff, I think I mentioned that um, there's a whole room dedicated to um, mums and dads, or mums or dads, or whatever, that when they've lost the baby that day, yeah. um, it's a, basically a front room, TV, a bed, a mattress, um, pictures on the wall, big stack of DVDs, books, and everything else. That if you've lost your baby, the last thing you want to do is go home and see the nursery that you've just painted, yeah. the clothes that you've just bought and everything else. There's a there's space in a hospital. Hospitals, that are, the space is a premium in hospitals. They need room for beds. There's a little living room in there for people to I just go, here is a little room. bit of normality just for a, a few more hours so you haven't got to go straight home. Someone's thought about that. Yeah. Someone's literally gone, no, people need this. We're going to make sure this happens. And it's so cool. I love things like the cinema. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I didn't realise it was a little cinema. I remember going into like the tour of the hospital before we had my daughter, and I they go, oh yeah, that's the room. I'd be like, right, everyone be quiet. <laughs> didn't need to be quiet, but you know, like you feel like you have to be because of this fear of death. It's like actually, it's better when people are just normal. Mm. So much better when people are just kind of straightforward. I get what you're saying about uh, you know um, when you're going through the world of crap. Actually, you just don't want to keep telling the story. Yeah. It's like it's just it just becomes really wearing. You've told that story all day, every day, and actually, you just want to go. Oh, what you've been doing? Yeah, no, totally. And, and then they just talk, and you just listen. Yeah, so much easier. Yeah, I mean, the the things that I used to look forward to was um, uh, like were uh, once a day the um, uh, what they physiotherapist. Sorry, what were you going to say? Bed bath. <laughs> Never no, actually, they're massive. Strip me all naked. They are massively overrated. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Basically, being wiped down with paper towels is oh, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a sexy experience. It's not, it's not going to be. Um, but no, like once a day, uh, the physiotherapist would come round and walk me round the ward. Um, and um, and yeah, I just used to chat to them about crap, like you know, uh, punk bands that I liked, and um, and yeah, and it was just you know, because otherwise the whole thing is focused on you know, you know, the consultants coming to see you and looking at the results yeah. of this and that and the other, and so yeah, just yeah, getting stepping out of it for on occasion and just talking about normal stuff was yeah, what I needed. So then. So how have you moved on since then? <laughs> I mean, things have gone wrong again, haven't they? It's <laughs> like, well, some things have gone right and some things haven't gone so well. Cause the well I'm still alive, still so alive, that went exactly. sort of reasonably right. I know, and it, like, it sometimes <laughs> it, like, it really does help to have a, a perspective, though. Yeah. You just think, actually, I've just been through this massive trauma and I'm still alive and I'm not on the streets homeless. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know, like, I've had challenges since, and so, like, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, what I said to you earlier, like, I was a bit late over here, because um, one of the things I have is that if I accidentally eat the wrong things as a result of not really having a stomach anymore, I kind of have this weird thing called dumping syndrome, where um, where it's, it's a little bit like... Um, 
I don't know, you go very lightheaded or um, sometimes you throw up a little bit or or um, worst case scenario, you got kind of projectile diarrhea and it's yeah, <laughs> it wow. can be really uh, Yeah, I bad. remember being around George um, one time and you had to kind of had to have a bit of quiet time just to kind of just get yourself together a little bit because you're having those feelings. Yeah. Yeah, and, it, and so there's things like that. And, you know, I got back to work and we had more challenges with that as well because, you know, while, I'd away, while I was away, things hadn't gone that well and then the studio got shut down. But I think, as you said a minute ago, you just have to keep your right reminding yourself that, you know, you're still alive, you're still here. And I don't know, I know it's a kind of massive cliche, but I could just keep saying to myself, you know, there are people right now paddling across the Mediterranean in a rubber dinghy. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not one of those people. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, yeah, M- you know, my work going a bit wrong and and having to find another job is like trivial by comparison. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's a bit like that, though. I think sometimes you do have to see things like that. It's easy to get weighed down with day to day stuff, but like, do you find, in your opinion, like what's happened to you? Does it make it easier to have that perspective? Do you find yourself getting caught up in, oh, I can't sort my car out, whatever, and then do you find yourself thinking, fucking hell, I'm still alive today, so that doesn't actually matter? Um, Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think, you know, being realistic, we're all... um, I think it was Dennis Leary, wasn't it, that said something like, you can't can't take away people's right to be arseholes. Yeah. And, uh, um, And I think that, you know, basically, yeah course like everybody gets wound up about you know i don't know the kids not helping to do the washing up properly or or you know somebody's opened their car door into my car in tesco's car park mm. or stuff so, you know and i um uh, and i w- as much as i would like to to pretend that i'm yeah, suddenly like yeah yeah i think it's just natural like um and I think, you know, people do sometimes talk about the kind of like, you know, you get this new lease of life, new perspective on life once you've had cancer and you survived. I don't know. Like, I'm not sure that's the case. I'm mm. still the idiot that I was t- two yeah, years ago. Like, we, yeah, we were talking about that before. And it's like saying like good things have happened because of the podcast and that. And then, but then, you know, your kids still want dinner. Yeah. You know, like there's... Actually, life is pretty normal and mundane a lot of the time, and yeah, it, and it always comes back to that, doesn't it? And like, there's no real way out of that. Like, I always figure if you're a rock star, like if I was Dave Grohl, you'd be going playing amazing gigs and getting adoration, but there's still going to be days when you're like, oh, I really don't want to get up there tonight. Yeah, you know, like it, it's still work. Mm. <laughs> it might still seem brilliant, but you've still got to go and just get up there and do things you don't want to do yeah and that's essentially it and you could have cancer and survive something massive you still got to do stuff you don't want to do mm. yeah. it's no, just how you look at that it's life and you just, if you could just accept that it's all about acceptance i really feel that if you just accept things for how they are they're much easier to deal with and i never could accept anything you know i just, just think everything's awful but i don't really do that now i just go well no it's not awful it's just normal mm. yeah yeah, I think that's definitely a thing. And I think, I don't know, uh, another factor in it is processing. Um, oh, yeah. Tell uh, processing. <laughs> you mean processing, like having a processing food? Um, well, I mean it like, yeah, I mean, well, but I, I mean it from a mental point of view, but um, but I guess it's the same basic thing, right? Silly. Digesting. I was about pooing. Yeah, yeah. But it, no, but in some ways it <laughs> is the same thing, right? Like, um, and and um, and I think one of the reasons that I find it difficult to answer that question, Brad, is that like I haven't, I don't know whether I've got to that point yet. Like you know, it was only I don't know what. Um, well, it was less than a year ago that I I was still on chemo less than a year ago. Oh, yeah. um, and so you know maybe in a few more months I'll you know I'll be sufficiently past it mm-hmm. and process what happened to me to kind of put it in the right place for it to be, you know, and going back to my point about the kind of the mirror and, you know, I've got to that point where I've, I've turned that experience into something positive through that process of processing. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it's really important sometimes to just realise that you don't always have to 
you don't have to deal with everything perfectly all the time and there are going to be times where you're going to struggle to understand what's happening to you and to allow yourself the space to do that processing and I think you know I mean, I, I haven't done anywhere near as much counselling as you have. <laughs> yeah, I have had a lot of counselling. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, having seen a couple of counsellors and talked through some of this stuff, it's like super helped me to work out, you know, and just understand the nature of those things I went through. Um, and, yeah, and I think that, I, you know, I'm not there yet with some of this stuff. Mm. But, yeah, certainly... You know, through looking back over other things that have happened to me in my life, you just have to give yourself that time to process and understand it. And yeah, then, of course. Yeah, just making sense. Of it. It's funny though because I also kind of think that sometimes that I think often you think that um, you need to resolve it. You know, I've got to process it, resolve it, and then I can move on. And it's the idea that there's this tangible thing at the end of it, but often there's not. Often that's not actually uh, what, what the Americans say closure. Yeah, and I and I think that basically, like I can understand why I might feel the way I feel, but I, not at any moment do I think, oh yeah, I did that in therapy and now I feel like I've got closure. You know, like I, d I just don't really think that exists. I think if you're if you're searching for something like that, then you're always going to fall short, and that's going and you're still going to be ill. Mm. So rather than close and look for acceptance, rather than you know thinking like I've got this done, you, that doesn't really happen. I don't think. I think you just think I've learned to accept what's happened to me. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, uh, I wonder whether that's a similar thing to the difference between fixing something and it turning into something else. You know, so so that like you know if. Maybe what what people think about with you know when they're trying to think of closure is like if I could just work that out then I'll be yeah. back to where I the yeah. person I was mm. before it happened. Yeah, no, you uh, won't. Yeah, yeah, like, I think you're right. Yeah, you won't be the same person. No. You'll be a different person who's been uh, affected by this experience. Yeah, but you just need to work out what bit of your brain to put it in and where you can comfortably deal with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's very true though. Yeah, you think, oh, I need to be back to that person. It's like, well, no, that, no one can do that. No one ever does that. Because no, you've done a lot of growing since then. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I think you it's know, like the little wins as well every day when you're like, oh, I've, I don't feel like that anymore. Or this is different. Or this has changed. Like allowing yourself to have that as well is super important. I kind of like that feeling that actually you're really tiny and insignificant. Yeah, that's great. You know, like uh, uh, I could be sitting indoors uh, and thinking like the world's the worst thing in the world. Uh, I mean, life is awful and everything, but yet people are still walking to school. You yeah. know, like, actually, you don't really matter. No. no and, uh, and you can either see that as being a really scary, awful thing, and, like, you're not significant, or you can see it as, it's just pretty freeing. Mm. You can just totally. do whatever, and nothing matters that much, so who cares? Yeah. That's kind of how I like my twist on it. Yeah. That works for me. Yeah, I like no, that. I, yeah, I do too, and it, it, weirdly, it's one of the reasons why I like living here. Um, because um, I don't know whether you guys you've certainly seen it but this coastline here is uh, surrounded by chalk cliffs All right. and those chalk cliffs are essentially the fossilised remains of billions and billions of sea creatures that, have, that fell to the bottom of the That's sea right. you know, over millions and millions and millions of years mm. um, and, and eventually created these enormous chalk cliffs and, and you can look at the size, the side of those cliffs, and essentially these enormous mass graves, and sort of realise that in the kind of grand scheme of things, how cosmically insignificant yeah. we are. Like, so <laughs> amazing, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And all, and you know, to go like Russell Brand says, all you've really got is connection. Yeah, and that's, and the only people who, like, the only thing that anyone's going to care about, or the only people who are going to care about you, like, or or even remember you are the ones you had a connection with. Mm. Like, all you've really got is connection with other people. So like money is a nothing. You know, everything's a nothing. Yeah. It's just what keeps you going through the day to day. All that really matters is connection with other people. I feel that on a daily basis. If I connect with people I feel better about myself. Definitely, definitely. And that's kind of what I do like I've done the work I've done and why I do this. It's because you get to connect with people on a bit more than a superficial level. 
uh, and then that makes you kind of feel alive and make it all seem worthwhile. Mm. I know it's pretty big concepts, but I think there's a lot in it. We've connected loads today. It's been nice to connect with you, mate. You've it's not met really nice. before. No, it's been lovely though. Like I feel like we're brothers now. Oh. It's nice. <laughs> wow. But like it's not like you are genuinely smiley, refreshing, and just nice to be around. And it's um, it's really cool to meet you. Yeah, well, it's it's uh, honour to come on. For sure. Thank uh, you. We appreciate it. Well, yeah, well, we've been talking about it for a while, haven't we? Yeah, talking about it for a while. How long have we been? What now? Um, we're six minutes off the hour. Six minutes off the hour. Yeah, I need a wee. I mean, it goes well fast. It goes so quick, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Well, with a few minutes left, then can I turn that back on you for a sec? Yeah. And go. Um, so, like, with what you were saying about kind of the importance of connection and so on. Out of interest, you know, because you've been doing so much kind of social media stuff yeah. through this, and you know, you've—I think you've—you were always reasonably active on social media. Yeah. Out of interest, do you think that social media has been a good thing or a bad thing overall for your mental health? I mean, so not so much thinking about, you know, um, the mouth of manliness and so on, but. The fact that it makes it easier for you to connect with people that you are kind of... I, I would say Good on question. balance of things. So, like when Sarah was ill, I couldn't bear seeing other people having a nice time. And it would be like people I know having a nice time. And I'm like, how can you have a nice time when I'm suffering? Right. Uh, so there was lots of that going on. And then there are points when I'm feeling particularly insecure and I see other people... Yeah, they might be looking good or they seem to be having a better life than me and that makes me feel crap about myself. So that happens. I don't really get that anymore because I've kind of rationalised it now as in, you know, knowing that it's all a lie. You know, it's all a lie. Um, so that element of it has been pretty awful before and I stopped following so many people because of it because it's like, actually, that's just hurting me. Now, since doing this... I realise how useful it is because it gives because of the amount of people who have been in touch with us and said that's really special and then and then the good things that have come off the back of being really open about everything so since I've been really open on it it's turned into quite a positive thing mm. and and even just down to you know like um, you know you can see a mate who you haven't seen for 10 years and it's not awkward as hell. You're not trying to catch up on 10 years because you can pretty much see what they've been up to. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's quite good. Definitely. Yeah, I mean... What do you think? Well, even, like, today, um, we've had a couple of people coming up saying, oh, like, um, I heard you on the podcast, and it's kind of the barrier, the conversational barrier is already broken down. Yeah. We've already got something to talk about, which is nice. But I, there's been there's stuff that's happened to me on a subconscious level. I found myself... Um, liking cars and think oh, i really want this car and it's not really like me oh, that much that, yeah. and i and, and and i'm like where's this come from and kate's like oh you've been on social media quite a lot I was like, yeah of course that's, that's, i can pin it straight back to that it's something that i wouldn't normally think about food is a nightmare i wouldn't i'm literally as soon as i see a particular thing on there i'm like right i've got to go and eat this i've got to go and eat that like, it works and essentially nine times out of ten that's what it's supposed to do because it's uh, the henry's burgers in leon c that i'm following or like that's the reason why they put it on there kind of thing but i won't necessarily go straight down to henry's and have a burger but it does get you thinking along those sort of lines and i was aware of the power of it for just before um we started doing the podcast i got rid of the facebook app and the instagram app um, and purely just had it, I'd just sort of check in every now and then kind of thing. And it was freeing. It was lovely. It was quite nice. And we obviously went back on it knowing that um, we can reach out to people and people can reach out to us. But what's nice is, I think we were talking about this earlier, um, getting rid of all of the negative things that come up. If something makes you feel a particular way on your feed, just get rid of it, unfollow it. Um, or I think you can have it so on Facebook you can, you're still following but you don't get there or see much yeah. of it in your feed and stuff like that it gets a bit complicated but like, you're in control of it and if it's causing you problems or you, if you're having a problem in your life it might be worth going back to your social media and thinking like, oh, that, oh yeah that's why I'm feeling, feeling, like this, feeling like that it's like within your power to kind of change it and control it and I think it's just about having your eyes wide open though, yeah. like, if, if you know that you're 
that there's going to be an element of manipulation in social media and you, you can check yourself on it, then it's all right. Yeah. But it's like, you do think, like, kids, my daughter's going to be gullible as hell to it. Uh, so I, I think it's a double-edged sword. Um, but I do think there's a lot of positives in it and I, I'm not going to slate social media because no. it's been really helpful to me. Yeah, it's you brought know, a lot it's of people out. in touch with people. Yeah, that's been and amazing. Like, so it has, it, like, as a result, I feel quite often more connected to people who I probably wouldn't have been. Yourself is a prime yeah. example. On it. driving up the way to this, which we already feel like rock stars being able to do and to come and do this, yeah. phone goes and someone's written a review on, was it Facebook, I think? Yeah. Uh, about the podcast. Brad and Nick are this, <coughs> da, da 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 everything else. I can't name drop because I can't remember. We've had a busy it day. It was Carl. Uh, but, yeah, that happened and then... We just instantly felt really good. Amazing. And you know, like, and you just think, if it's all worth it. And now, to get that kind of instant, well, it's not instant, but you know, to get those kind of pats on the back, mm. that often being mentalists, we don't give ourselves. No. You know, like, that's got to be a good thing. 100%. And plus, we have people reach out and they'll, they'll tell us their problems. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have that. And then they're like, oh, I feel better already. Just because I know I'm not going mad. Mm. You know, that's good, isn't it? It's a beautiful thing. It is, like we say, what, all we have got is the connections. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, um, I definitely think you're right about kind of weeding stuff out and filtering. Mm. Like, I mean, people talk about kind of filter bubbles um, in social media, like I, the idea that, you know, you get locked into, you know, a, a kind of groupthink thing. I'm I'm kind of like I I don't think that's actually necessarily such a bad thing, right? Like, you know, if I was to have a party, mm. I'm largely going to invite the people I like. Yeah, of course. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah. And 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 again, coming back to your thing about like, you know, seeing people having fun. I mean, one way to think about that I think is like, you know, if you were, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, Cheers, if you were just going to oh, lovely. Marvelous. Um, yeah one way to think about that is like if you you know back in the days where we might have like photo albums and stuff you're not going to go around somebody's house and see a photo a photo album full of like oh yeah here's the day that I crashed the car yeah, and no, no, <laughs> yeah. this is my arsehole next door neighbour why have you taken a picture of him well he was there right, yeah. you've got this to see it this is the day that this. I yeah. shat myself in the in the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, like it's gonna Have you be. Seen how small my cocky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You didn't have to leave that. Why is there seven pictures of it? You didn't have to leave it. In. <laughs> it zooms in. <laughs> yeah, and so like, yeah, you, if you think about it in those terms, it's just the modern equivalent of a photo. Yeah, album. Totally. Where people are sharing the highlights. Such it doesn't a good mean way they don't have it. the. I know, I know. And the problem is though, is that people don't necessarily see it for what it is, and it is just that. It is just that, and it is people kind of saying almost showing off a bit and like yeah that's not so bad who cares yeah. you know it, it don't matter and i think you just got to put things in a bit of perspective but that's people it. don't but like i i do now but i didn't before now i just use it purely for advertising <laughs> 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 nothing else listen yeah. to my podcast yeah look at my drawing <laughs> it works though yeah, nice. but is it really? I mean, well, I suppose it is advertising in a sense, isn't it? But, but you know, I guess the thing is that you're trying to, you're actually trying to do something positive. So yeah, whether yeah. it's, you know, um, it's so I think that it's the idea. You know, the oh, we'll carry on with what we're doing. But you know, the idea of it gives you an opportunity to put something into the world, mm. and I think people don't always think about it in those terms, but. Otherwise, how do you actually just put something into the world? You can't. You can only put it into like your local vicinity. Yeah. And there's something quite amazing about that. Mm, definitely. But you think like we're people we listen to in 37 countries. Yeah. And you can literally put something into the world. Yeah. Like that's a pretty amazing thing. And anyone can do it. You can do it from your phone. Yeah. Laptop. Exactly. And that's the other thing. Mm. I, one thing that does make me laugh is my wife tries to keep up. Like, so she'll be like desperately, she'll scroll right down on Twitter to the last thing she looks at. Ah, oh, that's amazing. She tries to keep up. Yeah, what well, she I'm misses like, Why a day. Are you trying to keep up? She misses a day, she's got to go back and like yeah, catch yeah. up on yesterday's episode. Yeah, it's like, that's brilliant. Like, this, yeah, put it on series link. Twitter. I'm, same with Pornhub, like, I can't keep up, like, it keeps changing every time. 
Um, I still need to catch up on a few episodes. <laughs> got Don't tell me what happens at the end. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Um, oh, yeah, it's quite easy. Oh, yeah, there's children here. There is. <laughs> I meant sea boobies. Yes. Not sea boobies. <laughs> well, that's about it. Pass that some comments, mate. Chris. Have you got any nuggets of wisdom you want to share before we... Um, for a fag. And a wee. Um, well, a wee <laughs> um. uh, embarrassingly, the only thing I can think of is uh, uh, be excellent to each other. That's yeah. amazing. And party on, dude. Ah, oh, I'll take that. Rock and roll well, thank you all. Thank you and good night. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Chris. I'm really pleased you came. Yeah. Been lovely. Yeah, it's been cool. Been lovely. Cheers, mate. Cheers. See you later. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.